Thanks for joining us today at Springwell Church, where we want to draw spiritually thirsty people to Jesus by loving God, loving each other, and loving the world. We hope that today's message builds you up, gives you a little insight, and helps you find a brand new perspective. You can find us in Taylor, South Carolina, and online at springwell.org. That's springwell.org. Now let's jump into the message. I am so excited about today. I'm, I'm excited um, for a lot of different reasons, I suppose, but I'm, I'm excited because God is still, um, like, teaching me stuff. Um, <clears throat> that's one of the things I love about my relationship with God is it, is, is it can grow stale if you, if you let it, but if you just continue to dig and to pursue as He continues to dig and to pursue, and if you'll meet Him there, I'm telling you, it can just be a sweet thing. And so I'm pumped today because I'm going to show you some stuff that, like, honestly, for all these years of studying a particular passage of Scripture, I never saw it. You don't like yours? Not surprised at all. <laughs> I was surprised. I'm not kidding you that it could. It was there all the time, and I missed it. And so we're going to get there in just a few minutes. So I'm really, really, really pumped up. So I'm going to start off asking you this question: Do you know anyone right now who's a little bit angry? Yeah, the little bit part is what got you. You're thinking, no, I know somebody's a lot angry, and it seems like everybody's angry. Would you agree? And I put seems like everybody's angry because that just seems like they give me a, you know, a, a way out. But it really seems like everybody's angry. Everybody's angry about something. You go to a restaurant. Karen and I went to a restaurant. Uh, uh, <laughs> we were at a restaurant, I don't know, this has been months ago now. I remember, and we waited in a long line. Y'all know what I'm talking about? So you go to a restaurant, you waited in a long line, and then, and then you get on the inside, and the place is empty. Hello, y'all know what I'm talking about? So Karen and I, we went into this restaurant. They set us in a section. We were the only ones in the section. I thought, we're going to get romantic. You know what I'm talking about? They're going to bring out candlelight? No. They came and they said, listen, we want to move you to another section. We don't have any wait staff for the section. I said, wow. So they took us to another section, the busy section. There were three other families in the busy section. And we had waited a long time. And so what I find is that customers get angry because there's long lines and, there's a, and, then the, and, and the wait is slow and getting your food is slow. And the servers are angry. The servers are angry because they're doing all the work, right? And so there's nobody there to really help them. And then, and then they're, they're, they're trying to wait on people that are angry. And they're angry because you're angry. They're doing the best they can. And it's not just in the restaurant. It's like everywhere you go on the highway. We were on 85 yesterday. There were idiots on 85. They were in the fast lane. Y'all have heard me talk about this before. It's a problem. Help me find the solution they were doing the speed limit in the fast lane. Say it with me. It's the fast lane. There was one guy who passed the guy in the left and showed him a sign. I guess he was telling him he was number one. I don't know. People are just angry, aren't they? And I'm just angry that everybody's angry. So when you think about Jesus, though, what's the first thought that pops in your head? I doubt 
that the first thought that pops in your head when you think about Jesus is, wow, like, he was an angry man. Most people don't think about Jesus being angry, right? When you think about Jesus, you most often think about, about love, right? Jesus was love. God is love. Jesus was love. And he was compassionate. He was merciful. And he was gracious. And he reached out to the, to the derelicts, to the prostitutes, to the down and out, and the up and out. I mean, Jesus was all about love. Not anger. But he did get angry. Jesus actually got angry. And when he did get angry, he got angry in a way, and I wrote this sentence, and it still sounds weird to me. And I know that even theologically, technically, it's correct, but it still sounds weird. And so here's the sentence. But when he did, he got angry in a way that honored God. And you read that, and you think, whoa. So you can be angry and honor God. Jesus did. He, he got angry in a way that honored God. So the title for the day's message is Angry Like Jesus. So that's our goal for today. So we want to turn out a bunch of angry people. You should be ticked off when you leave today. Okay, that's not quite the goal. So I guess the message could be a little risky. And, and no kidding, I really thought about that and I prayed about that. It could be a little risky because you're probably going to hear what I say through your own filters. And when I say filters, honestly, I'm talking about political filters. Because it seems like everything has been politicized, everything. Wearing a mask, not wearing a mask. Vaccine, no vaccine. Democrat, Republican. I mean, everything boils down to some kind of political agenda, some kind of political issue. Plain or peanut. Absolutely right. All the peanut people. And if you're plain, we're ticked. <sighs> One of the questions that people ask me is that, uh, especially when it comes to anger, they'll say, Pastor, is it a sin to be angry? Is God going to be angry that I'm angry? And the answer is very clearly, maybe. <laughs> Y'all having fun yet? Maybe he will, maybe he won't. I mean, he, he could be. According to Ephesians 4.26, I love this. And I love this. Let me tell you why I love this. I love this because this is written by a guy who got angry. The Apostle Paul. If you don't think that Paul could be angry, you should just read the book of Galatians. Like he starts off chapter 1 taking names and kicking spiritual rear end. I'm not kidding you. And then it gets worse in chapter 2. It comes to a climax in chapter 3. I mean, he's ticked the whole book. And that guy that had a problem with anger says this. He says, in your anger, don't sin. What? Be angry, but don't let that anger lead you to sin. Another translation says it like this, and don't sin by letting your anger control you. In other words, Paul's saying, don't hold on to your anger. Don't, let, don't hold on to it so long that that anger turns into bitterness. Y'all know what I'm talking about? That you're just bitter. Do you know any bitter people? I mean, they walk into a room, it's like somebody cut the lights out. They're just negative, angry, bitter people. And they're bitter because they, they've held on to anger for so long that it's just eat them from the inside out. So you know anybody that's doing that? Is that somebody you? Is that somebody you? 
And if you're not sure if that's you, if you're not sure that you are showing signs of maybe hanging on to anger, if you're not, if you're not sure that you look like an angry person, that maybe, maybe you've held on to it for, for so long that maybe you're struggling with a little bit of bitterness, then maybe you should just talk to somebody that you trust. And by somebody that you trust, what I mean by that is somebody that will tell you the truth, not somebody who will tell you what you want to hear. Because friends, really close friends, will, in a very loving way, in a very cautious way, in a very kind way, in a very tender way, will have the ability to set you down and say, I love you, but I'm telling you, this is what I'm seeing right now. So if you're not sure, you should ask somebody that will tell you the truth. And then Paul goes on to say this. He says, do not let the sun go down while you're still angry. And I love this next this last part of this verse, he says this, he says, do not give the devil a foothold. I love that word, foothold. I love that Greek word. And that Greek word, it's, it's, a, it's a Koine Greek, it's a common Greek, and, and what it means is it means a place or a room. That's what it means. And so imagine trying to keep a thief out of your house. Now, let's, so tonight, before you go to bed, let's say you know there's a thief in the yard. You with me? I mean, it's not like, gee, maybe somebody's out there going to try to get in. What if you knew beyond any shadow of a doubt there's a thief out there and you left the door unlocked? You would think, would that be stupid? What if you left the door unlocked, but what if you left a crack in the door? Like, what if you left a crack in the door? You might as well put out a welcome mat, right? And say, come on in, take what you will, just don't wake me up. Really, clean me out if you need to. Just don't wake me up. But when you hang on to anger, listen to me. When you hang on to anger, and some of you are hanging on to anger, some of you are angry at God. You're really, really ticked and chapped because of some things that didn't work out your way. I get it. I've been there. But when you hold on to anger, you're leaving a crack in your spiritual house, and you're allowing Satan access. You're saying, listen, come on in the house. Come on in the house. Listen, let's go into the living room. Like, I want you to have my easy chair. You, you sit in my chair, just lean back. Let's just chat for a little bit. Let's see how much emotion you can stir within me. And how that emotion, how this bitterness will begin to eat away at me to the point where it destroys the relationships that mattered the most to me in this life. That's what you're doing. When you're hanging on to anger, you're putting out the welcome mat for Satan. And maybe that's why some of your relationships are struggling because you've given the devil access to those relationships with some, with some anger. So how in the world do we handle anger appropriately and not sin. I'm going to take you to a passage, Matthew 21. I'm not kidding you. I've studied this in such detail over the years you have no earthly idea. And I did it from a churchy perspective, but I did it. I wanted to prove a point in, in, a, in a traditional church setting one time. So I dug deep into this, and I missed some stuff. Y'all probably never done that. But have you ever gone to a text, and as soon as you found what you were looking for, like you stopped right there? Y'all ever done that? Like, I'm just good enough. I don't want to go any further. Like, I've learned all. I made my point. God said what he needed to say, and I missed something. Critical. It's a critical statement. Let me give you the context. Jesus was um, entering into Jerusalem. Uh, this is right before the Passover. 
Now, if you don't know a whole lot about Passover in the first century, essentially every Jew in the Roman Empire would travel to Jerusalem, small, small place that would, that would travel there to uh, have this massive celebration of Passover. And, and so it was extremely crowded. I mean, like thousands and thousands and thousands of people would gather in a place where normally it would not have been anywhere near that. Are y'all already getting nervous? Are y'all already getting a little bit anxious? I am. I mean, I'd go into the mall. People say, you go to the mall. I say, ooh. Do you go to the mall during Christmas? No, I don't want to get angry. I mean, people, old women will kick you and hit you with their canes. I mean, it's nasty. So I'm reading this passage, and I'm already thinking, you know what? I, I ain't even Jesus, and I don't want to be there. You know, I'm just thinking all these people crowding, people pushing and shoving, trying to get where they need to be. It's a terrible scene. And I want you to understand Jesus' mindset. This is critical. In a very crowded place, Jesus knew that this was his last week on planet Earth. He didn't just know he was dying. He knew how he was going to die. He knew that he would be beat almost to death with a thing called a scourge. Most people did not survive the scourging, and Jesus would survive the scourging because he had to go to the cross. And Jesus knew that in a few days, they're going to beat me to a pulp, and then they're going to hang me on three nails naked before the world, and I'm going to give my life for the sins of all these people. And I'm just saying, the human side of me says, if he's a little bit uptight, I would understand Y'all getting this? So you're walking into an extremely crowded place knowing your death is imminent. I'm just saying. It'd be a little anxious. He knew what was coming. So he walks up to the temple, and what he saw happening inside the temple, inside the church, made him righteously anger, angered. He was angry. Let me tell you what he saw. He saw greed. Like, you never see that in church, would you? <laughs> that, I thought that was a joke. <laughs> Thank you. I need all the help I can get right now. Yeah, I mean, what he saw was, was greed. In other words, he saw people that were only in it for the money. He saw hypocrisy. And he saw abuse, and he saw the misuse of his father's house. And he did something that was really, really out of character for Jesus, out of the ordinary for Jesus. In his righteous anger, not a sinful anger, but in a righteous anger, here's what Jesus did, Matthew 21, verse 12. It starts this way. Jesus entered the temple courts, and I'll tell you what he did. He drove out all who were buying and selling there. Okay, all right, just stop right there. You think, well, this is Jesus. So I'm sure he did it. He was sweet about it. I'm sure he said, now y'all stop it. That's not nice. Don't do that anymore. That wasn't his approach. That wasn't his approach at all. <laughs> he overturned the tables of the money changers. Now, can you imagine that happening in church? Like if that were to happen today? I mean, we would stand back and go, that's not, that's not very Christ-like. Would we? Would we not? Would we not stand back and go, oh, dude, like you are way out of control. 
flipping tables? Absolutely. He flips tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves. And then he preaches a little mini sermon. Here's what he says. It's written, my house will be called a house of prayer, but you have turned it. You, you no count, you, you low life, you've taken something that was intended for ministry, that was intended for good, and you've taken my house and you've turned it into a den of robbers. And he's angry and he's turning tables over. It's a terrible scene. And then Matthew says this, and this is, this is, this is where I stop short. This next sentence, well, let me just read it. It says, and the blind and the lame came to him. Where? Yeah, it's not like he took a break. This is not five days later. This is not somewhere else. This is not like he was really, really ticked. And this is a big deal for me because I'm telling you, sometimes Karen can look at me at the end of the day and say, did you have a bad day? No, I didn't have a bad day. <laughs> Y'all know what I'm talking about? I probably... Y'all don't, but if you ever just bring stuff home with you, when you walk in the house, I mean, you kick the dog, you holler at your wife, you yell at the kids, ah! And they're looking at you like, have you lost your mind? And so here's what Jesus does. He's, he's turning tables over. Watch it. He's turning tables over, and then the, the blind and the lame came to him at the temple, and he said, get out of here. He healed them. It's a weird sentence. It's, a, it's almost like, it's like Matthew was under the anointing power of the Holy Spirit, and he's writing, and like he dozed off. <laughs> it's like he dozed off and woke up and like starts telling another story. It's like, wait a minute, how, how, could, you, how could you be so angry one minute and healing people the next that statement's been there all along, all these years, but somehow stopped short of learning. Everything that Jesus intended me to learn, I missed it. And it's a critical statement. This may be more critical than the statements before. This statement is critical. So he's super angry one minute, he's healing people the next. He's angry and turning tables and benches over one minute, and then he's healing people the next. And so here's what I want you to, the first thing I want you to see about Jesus. Before we even talk, get deep into this, here's what I want you to see about Jesus. Jesus was not characterized by his anger. That's what I, I just want you to get that right up front. He wasn't characterized. When you think of Jesus, you don't think about Jesus being angry. We, we think too often of Jesus being meek, like he was a little bitty fella. I don't think he was a little bitty fella. He was a carpenter. I think, I think he had some guns. Y'all know what I'm talking about? I mean, I think Jesus could bow up. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Why y'all looking at me like that? I'm not Jesus. I'm just saying if Jesus. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I think Jesus was probably physically, I think he was physically fit. He did get angry. It wasn't often, but when he did, it wasn't uncalled for. And it's not like Matthew was rolling his eyes going, well, yep, fourth table this week. Here we go again. Hey, Jesus, we're trying to build a ministry here. This is not a good start. We're losing people. Let's get a hold of the anger. Can we set you up with Judas and a little counseling? I mean, I'm just saying. 
He wasn't characterized by his anger. Some of y'all got that, some of you didn't. I'm sorry. Let's close in prayer. No, I'm just kidding. That's not how Jesus was known. He was, he was known because he loved the outcast. And that's what we love about Jesus, isn't it? That's what Springwell loves about Jesus is he loves the outcasts. He, he loved the lepers. He loved the down and outs and the up and outs. And he forgave sinners, and I mean dirty sinners, notorious sinners, as Luke records. He, he loved those people. And so my goal this morning is not to inspire you to you know, go into the QT and kick over a candy rack and say, that'll teach you to charge hardworking people over $3 a gallon? Ha! In the name of Jesus. That's, that's not the goal. That's, that's not the goal. I want to show you three very specific things that I think that we can learn from Jesus that can help us to be angry and not sin. Here's the first thing I want you to see. And this is really amazing to me. And it's, 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 what, it's what he taught me through this passage. Again, I, I missed stuff, and I had to connect that other verse, that four, verse 14, and he didn't take things personally. Jesus, Jesus didn't take things personally. He wasn't, Jesus wasn't angry about what others did or said about him. And there's a long list of what other people did and said about him, right? I mean, we know that he was brutally criticized and verbally abused by others, which ultimately led him to the cross. We know that. This is like Jesus 101. Even if you're a non-church person, you go, yeah, like I've heard that my whole life. You know, like it was the religious people that put Jesus on the cross. You're absolutely right, it was. But he didn't direct his anger at them. Jesus got angry. This is super important. I underlined this in my notes. Jesus got angry when others were hurting. It might be wise to do what I call an anger audit. I just think it has a great sound to it, don't you? Kind of rhymes, anger, audit. I don't know if that rhymes, but it's got a good sound to it. Two A words. I thought it was awesome. And I've got to be honest with you, I don't like to do anger audits. I, I really don't. This was not my idea. Like Holy Spirit showed up in my life and said, here's what I want you to do. And I said, uh, I think you got the wrong number. Call somebody else. And so I start with this question. When I'm doing this anger audit, I start with this question, and then I have to move, I have to go deeper. But the question I start with is, why are you so agitated right now? Y'all know what I'm talking about. Have you ever been in a situation and you can already feel your blood pressure, you know, you already feel it start to rise? Nothing really <clears throat> major has been said right now, but you feel it deep down inside. You think, man, I'm getting agitated. And then I have to push it a little bit deeper. And so I'll say, why, why are you so critical of that person? So I wrote critical, and to be honest, I never changed it. And, and God has such a sense of humor. He thinks he's funny. I don't see the, his humor sometimes. He looked at me and he said, it's not, the critical is not the right word. I like the word critical. He said, it's judgmental. I said, ooh, just don't say judgmental. Critical sounds better, right? Somehow it just sounds better than being judgmental. If, I, if I'm judgmental, I'm being churchy. I don't like churchy religious people. He said, well, that's what you're doing. You're, be, you're being judgmental. I don't like it when I'm judgmental. And then I have to push it. He'll say, where is your dislike right now 
for this person? Where is it coming from? Where's this uneasy feeling, this, this feeling of anger that you're feeling, this agitation? Where is it coming from? And you know what I found? I found that every time I keep pushing and keep pushing and keep pushing, that what I find is that I'm saying, you know what? I, honestly, I just don't think they like me. I don't think they like me. I don't think they're respecting me. I don't think they're being respectful. I, I, don't th- I think they think they're smarter than me. In other words, here's the thing. And y'all are, I mean, it sounds like so seventh grade, doesn't it? But I'm telling you, when I start to peel back the layers of the onions, when, 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 when Holy Spirit pushes me to go deeper and deeper and deeper, I end up at this place at the core where I'm saying, oh my goodness, God, I've made it all about me. I've made this all about me. It's not about that person. It's all about me. It's not about the situation. It's about me. So how about you? Could the same be said about you? I mean, no kidding. You should do an anger audit. Again, I just made that up. And maybe your questions will be different, but that's, that's how, you know, Holy Spirit starts here with me, and then, we, and then we continue to just eat away at the core until we get to the core. So are you easily agitated? You find yourself in situations where you're already feeling uncomfortable? Could it be that you've just made it all about you? Let me give you some more details about this story. It's really important. Jesus went in and turned over the tables of the money changers. And the money changers were people that would exchange the currency. Because remember, these were people that were coming from all over the Roman Empire. And so literally, if you read commentaries, I don't know how people know such, but if you read all the commentaries, what they will say is that this probably started off as a ministry, to, as the church. Somebody in the church said, you know what? We have people that are literally coming from all over the Roman Empire. And once they get here, in order to be able to give, they're not going to have the right currency. So we are going to be a blessing to the people. You know, like at the airport, they'll rob you. They'll take advantage of you. So we're going to let them come to the church. We're going to let them come to the church, come to the temple. They don't have to worry about finding somebody on the street to exchange their their currency. And we're going to do it for them here. But here's the thing. They started taking advantage of the people. They started charging crazy prices. If you've been to a foreign country, you've seen it, you know, you travel internationally, you get off the airport, and one of the things you learn, don't, don't go to the place at the airport. They're going to charge you more. It's a, it's a part of their, it's how they make money. And so sometimes at the airport, there they are. They're, they're there to be a blessing, right? Because you know when you walk out, you've got to get a cab. You gotta, you know, you've got to make it to your destination. You don't have that currency. They may not take American, and so there they are just to be a blessing and help you, but they may charge you an exorbitant amount of money And that's what was happening here. And that's why Jesus was so angry. He said, you're ripping these people off. It's deeper than that. According to most scholars, they were also marking up the cost of the sacrificial animals that were offered in the temple. Because these people would come during Passover and they would offer sacrifices. And one commentary described it this way. He said, two doves on the street might cost about four pence. When you got inside the temple, they would raise the price to 75 pence. Are y'all ticked off? I'm angry. I'm thinking, God ought to strike you right there on the spot. You know what I'm talking about? I would pray down fire on you. What are you doing? What are you thinking? You know what? That's what made him angry. He was angry on behalf of the mistreatment of other people. 
wasn't about him. And this is my second point. It's my favorite point, by the way. I just want you to know it's awesome. You ready? Second thing that you're going to learn from this passage is that Jesus flipped tables, but he did not flip people. You ain't going to get that anywhere else. Some of you don't know what that means. Talk to some of those people that were laughing. They, they got it. They know exactly. They know exactly what I'm talking about. In other words, he didn't punch anybody. He didn't cuss anybody out. One pastor I read, I thought this was awesome. He said this, the table in many ways could have represented the system that supported the hypocrisy or the mistreatment. In other words, when Jesus flipped the table, he disrupted the system. He said, you know what? What I'm angry about is the system. And so what I'm going to do is to do everything I can to destroy the system. I'm going to destroy the system but love you in the process. I was kind of thinking this through, and the thought occurred to me, it's kind of like when you're calling customer service with a complaint. <laughs> Baby, why aren't you laughing so? <laughs> uh, anyway, I, I told this, I didn't know if I was going to tell it, I didn't know if I was going to tell it at all, really. It didn't pop into my head first service. I guess I'll go ahead and tell it. So a few years ago, uh, really, now make sure you understand, let me set the tone <laughs> so I look a little bit better. Um, my mom had just passed away. And so we had somehow changed. We went with a cable service, and they came out to run a line through my wife's flowers. This is a true story. I called. I was chapped. <laughs> and can I tell you that I was, I was on the verge of sharing some stuff. And this is a true story. The, the lady on the other end, she says, is this Scott? Are you the pastor at Springwell? <laughs> uh, no. I've been told I sound like him. You know, I'm his neighbor. <laughs> oh, my gosh. In the temptation to chew out the person on the phone. Come on, somebody say, yeah. Somebody say, I'm not the only one. I called the AT&T people one time. I got so angry, I got other people on the phone to help me explain <laughs> some stuff. And, but here's the thing, and I've said this. I've learned, God, the Holy Spirit's worked on me. And here's what I've said. You know what? Let me apologize, ma'am. I'm not, I'm not angry at you. I'm not angry at you. You, you just worked there. You know what, you, you didn't come up with the system. You didn't make the system. Somebody else developed the system. And the system, maybe it was a good system 25 years ago. Maybe it was a good system five years ago, but the system doesn't work anymore. And the system robs people. And maybe you've been taken advantage of. I don't even know. But, ma'am, listen, I'm not angry at you, but I need to talk to somebody who will listen to me. I want to change the system. I was passionate about that. I'm just saying that we should focus on the system and not on people. And then here's the last thing. Here's the last thing I want you to notice when Jesus got angry. There's nothing really, I kept, I should have called Jonathan. He's got these cool ways of saying things. I, you know, I just, uh. and so this point may sound like that. I didn't know any other way to say it. What you, what you see in the passage, what you, it's there, it's just, 
he loved and healed people that were hurting. It's, it's that verse 14. It messed me up. A few weeks ago, I looked at that, a couple of three months ago maybe, I looked at this and I went, why did I see that before? The blind and the lame came to him at the temple, not somewhere else, at the very same temple, and he healed them. Matthew made sure that we understood that in the middle of his righteous anger, the Son of God still healed people. He still loved people. He still, he still loved sinners. What do we do when we get angry? We cancel people. I, I learned this months ago um, that we live in what has been at least termed by some as, as a council society. We live in a council culture. That, that's, that's our mentality. And it, at least what I read on the Internet, I'm sure it's true, because after all, it was on the Internet. So I, I read that it really started like with Facebook. And there would be, you know, maybe celebrities and, and maybe celebrities that had been, maybe solid celebrities, maybe politicians that had been solid for maybe 20 years, but they took a little misstep. Maybe they said something they didn't even intend. It was taken out of context. Or maybe they just made a mistake. But then people canceled them. I'm not following you anymore. I'm going to defriend you. I'm not going to follow you. I don't want to have anything to do with you anymore. And it's like we become so self-righteous, right? Looking down at the person who just has flaws. Like us. Think about Jesus. Oh, wow. Think about those who, who heard and mistreated Jesus. I could give you the short list. and I could say the Pharisees and the Sadducees, the religious people, and we all go, yeah. Kick their hiney. We could say Herod. Yeah. We could talk about Pilate. Absolutely. Judas. Man, we would have hung him up, wouldn't we? Yeah, that you hung yourself. It's too good for you. We should have done it. Well, what about Peter? He, he denied Jesus three times. He denied Jesus three times. And then Jesus literally says, I'm going to give you the keys to the kingdom. Upon this rock, I'll build my church. A failure like you. Who denied me and abandoned me. I'm going to entrust you with with the most powerful message the world has ever heard, the gospel. And somehow we let the other disciples off. I don't know how we do that exactly. Like, where were they? They were in an upper room with doors locked, scared to death that if they walked out on the street that somebody would say, you're, you're one of those Jesus people, right? You were one of those followers of Jesus. You were one of those Christians, one of those people who wanted to be like Christ. And they were so scared, they wouldn't even walk out of the other room. And so here's the thing, they were all wrong. But Jesus didn't cancel them. <laughs> he didn't cancel me. That's why I love to do what I do. That's why my relationship with Jesus is still growing. I haven't got over the fact that he didn't cancel me. So when you look up here, every time I'm on this stage,
you are seeing evidence of the faithfulness and the love and the kindness and the tenderness and the mercy and the grace of God, watch this, who has every right to be angry at my sin. I'm a sinner. And Jesus, God, wanted to be in a relationship with me so much that he sent his son Jesus to the cross. And Jesus wanted to be in a relationship with me so bad, he said, you you owe a debt that you can't pay. Sin is destroying your life, so I'm going to pay the price for your sin debt. Just so we can be in a relationship. Is that... It's wild. It's crazy. We cancel people, and God cancels our sin, all because of what Jesus did for us on the cross. I love the way Paul put it in, in Colossians 2. I used part of this, at least, these last verses at Easter, and, and it's so sweet, so powerful. It says this, verse 13, he says, When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, you were, you were, you were dead. You had no hope. You were lifeless. You, you could not, there was no life in you. There was no life that could be in you. You were, you were dead. God made you alive with Christ. How did he, how did he do something like that? Because he, he forgave us a few of our sins. He says all of our sins. And the word all in the Greek means all. Having canceled... <laughs> Having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us, he has taken it away and nailed it to the cross, and having disarmed the powers and the authorities and made a public spectacle. That's where the greatest show on earth came from, right out of this text. He made a public spectacle triumphing over them by the cross. God canceled my sins, but he didn't cancel me. He is the Son of God who came to seek and to save, save those that are lost, of which I'm at the top of the list. So when you get angry, and you're going to get angry, you're going to get angry. There's always going to be that guy on 85 or 26 or 40 or 29. They're everywhere. I'm going to get a sign. Karen and I actually saw a guy with a sign, I don't know, months and months ago. He was passing people with hung up a sign. Well, I can't say what it said, but it was basically get out of the fast lane. Throw a few stuff in there, some adjectives and stuff. You're going to get angry. Don't sin. Don't hang on to it. Don't take it personal. Don't get angry at the person. Get angry at the system. Find a way to bring healing and love to people that are broken and messed up. I wish, I I wrote this, I, I wish we could grow past being so easily offended. And not get angry on behalf of ourselves. I'll tell you what let's do. Let's fight against racism. What do you say? Obviously not much. 
Why, why, why don't we fight against racism? Why don't we stand up for that? Why don't we do it? i tell you why. Because somewhere we have become the passive church. We have said, well, we don't want to come across. We don't want to look like we are. I go, really? It's wrong. Racism is wrong. It doesn't matter what color your skin is. If someone is putting you down, if someone is, is making you feel less than, it's time somebody said, stop it. How come we don't? How, where are we? Why don't we stand up for the good men and women every day who serve us and, and protect us and give their lives to do so? Some, somebody's going to say, show me, a, you know, show me a video of a bad cop. What about all the great police officers that are out there that are putting their life on the line for us? They're here serving us today. Why don't we fight for them? Why don't we fight for the unborn? Am I getting political? But you know what? Listen to me. I can do that little speech, and I can talk about the unborn, and I can go through that. But what, what about the mothers? What about those young ladies? What about us loving them? See, listen to me. Look, it's going to get messy. It's going to get messy. We can't just stand on a picket line, hold up a sign. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about being involved in the lives of young women that are scared out of their minds, and they got no place to go. What about the church standing up and saying, you know what, we'll do life with you. We will walk with you. We will do whatever we can to make life easier for you. You are not alone. You are not by yourself. No matter what choice you make, we'll still stand beside you. And we live in a, in a very divided world. Oh, it's awful. And then a, a divided world needs a united church. I'm talking about the church. I am so sick of denominational junk. I could puke. You know what? We, we, honest, I should, probably shouldn't have said that. Oops. We, we seem to focus on the things that we disagree on. Why, what's wrong with us? The essentials of the faith. Jesus, the Son of God. The Son of God died on the cross for our sins, being raised on the third day. Really? Come on, man. What's more important than that? Why don't we gather around the truth that we believe in? Why don't we unite as churches to do something about the hurt and the pain in this world? I'm just saying. Our battle is not against flesh and blood. It's not against people, but against powers and principalities of this dark world. Anytime we do get angry, Whatever power we have, hope that we'll use it to bring hope. Oh. And healing to the broken. That we'll get angry about the injustice and we'll get angry about the system and we'll do our part to change it. We should be angry. Just a righteous anger. Maybe here this morning, or maybe you're watching online. I can't believe I wrote that. I don't think if all these years I ever said that. I feel like I'm a grown-up pastor now. Okay, maybe not. 
And maybe you realize this morning that you, you're a sinner. I have wonderful, wonderful, incredible news for you. I can look at you and tell you that God is crazy about you. He loves you so much. And what he did on the cross was to say, I want to cancel your sin debt. So my son is going to die for the sins of the world. He's going to die and pay the penalty for your sin. And on the third day, I'm going to raise him from the dead to show the power of God. And I'm going to invite you to become a follower of Jesus. So if you're here this morning and you're not a follower of Jesus, like why in the world would you not? What would you, how could you say no to that? And I'm sure that you won't. So every head is bowed and every eye is closed. If you're not a follower of Jesus and you'd like to be, then maybe you pray a prayer, something like this. Maybe you just say, Heavenly Father, I need forgiveness. And I need forgiveness of all my sin. All my sin. God, I'm a mess. I've got tons of sin in my past, and I've got tons of sin in my present. And God, I know me. There's going to be tons of sin in my future. I need your forgiveness. And tell him right now that you just want to surrender your life to him. And tell him that you're, you believe in the resurrection, and you feel his power, and you just, you just want to spend the rest of your life being a fully devoted follower of Jesus. Tell him. Father, uh, man, Lord, I, I love you so much. Thank you, Lord, for teaching me. Sometimes it hurts. Sometimes I'm a little embarrassed by it. It took me so long to see something that had been there the whole time. Lord, thank you that my relationship with you is still fresh and it's still it's still fun. I'm still learning. You're still teaching me. So Lord, we give thanks to you for everything that you've done today. In the sweet name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.